1967 Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Reporter Mary Heyer wrote extensively about the local sightings of a mysterious creature known as the Mothman. When famed ufologist John Keel arrived in town, he connected with Heyer. After all, she was an expert on the local cryptid. But there was another reason Heyer intrigued Keel. She also claimed to have seen weird lights in the sky. Keel wondered if the winged creature and the lights were somehow connected. So on the evening of April 1st, they drove to a hilltop overlooking the valley. They scanned the area, eyes peeled for anything unusual. Suddenly, a red light appeared on a nearby hill. It flashed as it bobbed up and down, slowly circling the area. Then it drew closer to their car. It was the moment Keel and Hire had been waiting for. Keel held his breath, amazed. It was so close that he could make out the shape of the craft, a huge rectangle with a glowing red orb in the center. It almost looked like a window. Keel jumped out of the car and pointed a flashlight at the object. As soon as he caught the vessel in the light's beam, the ship shot into the air, disappearing in the darkness, almost like it didn't want to be seen. Whatever Keel and Heyer had just witnessed, it definitely wasn't the Mothman. But since both anomalies arrived in Point Pleasant around the exact same time, Keel was convinced that the UFO and the beast were intertwined. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our final episode on the Mothman. The mysterious creatures stalked Point Pleasant, West Virginia between 1966 and 1967. Last time, we discussed how over 100 residents encountered the Mothman. These sightings continued until a local bridge collapsed into the Ohio River around Christmas in 1967, killing 46 people. In the decades since, the beast has reportedly been seen all over the globe, usually before a tragic disaster. Today we'll examine some popular theories about the Mothman and its penchant for predicting doom. Some skeptics believe the creature is just an ordinary animal. Others suggest it's an alien from outer space. But perhaps Mothman isn't a flesh-and-blood beast at all, but a monster of pure imagination. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. The perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings. 
Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 platinum jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Point Pleasant, West Virginia sits just above the Ohio River. The small rural town never drew much attention from outsiders until 1966, when the locals spotted a mysterious flying creature they called the Mothman. Reports about the Mothman were consistent. In every eyewitness account, the creature stood at least seven feet tall, was dark gray in color, had piercing red eyes, and an immense wingspan. This led many to compare the Mothman to other legendary winged creatures from around the world. In some cultures, people worshipped the figures as deities. The Mothman bore several similarities to an early Hindu god named Garuda. He was frequently depicted as either a gigantic bird or a man with a beak-like nose and feathered wings. Garuda appeared shortly before disaster struck. Just like Mothman, who reportedly visited people before the 1986 Chernobyl accident, 9-11, and other infamous tragedies. Given these similarities, it's no wonder that ufologist John Keel thought Mothman and Garuda may have been connected. The original title for Keel's book was Year of the Garuda, but at the last minute, he renamed it The Mothman Prophecies. Keel couldn't explain what a Hindu god was doing in a rural West Virginia town. Less than 1% of the entire U.S. population practiced Hinduism. And despite their similarities, Mothman and Garuda were still very different. The Hindu god is depicted with kind, round eyes. On the other hand, Mothman is famous for his menacing red eyes that glow at night. Some even reported them as hypnotizing. The idea that Mothman might actually be Garuda didn't gain much traction in West Virginia. Instead, some people connected the mysterious beast to another mythological figure. Many West Virginians were descended from Irish and Scottish settlers. In Irish folklore, banshees were female spirits who wore gray cloaks, similar to the Mothman's gray skin. Banshees warned of approaching death by wailing and shrieking. The Mothman made a similarly loud squeaking noise, but the Beast and Banshees had another trait in common. Both were harbingers of doom. Scottish folklore has a creature similar to the Banshee, known as the Benyea. While they don't screech, they do appear by creeks and rivers to wash the clothes of those about to die. Like the Mothman and Garuda, Benyeas and Banshees never seem to kill or harm anyone directly. They merely offer an ominous warning. But that's where the similarities end, because Banshees and Benyeas look like ghostly women with long white hair draped over their narrow faces. The Mothman is a seven-foot-tall birdman. While the winged cryptids shared traits with both creatures, 
Neither was a perfect match. Perhaps the Mothman wasn't a mythological creature at all. Maybe it was a flesh-and-blood animal with unusual evolutionary traits, ones that allowed it to survive in the toxic region just outside of Point Pleasant. From 1942 to 1945, the local TNT area was known as the West Virginia Ordnance Works. This 8,000-acre plot housed a factory that manufactured ammunition and dynamite during World War II. Large storage facilities peppered the grounds. Locals called them igloos due to their rounded shape and size. But instead of ice, these igloos were made of steel and concrete. They stored tons of TNT and its chemical predecessor, DNT. Both were extremely toxic and dangerous to handle. After the war ended in 1945, the munitions plant shut down. The igloos were sealed off, but many still housed the inactive explosives. The region became a landfill, and local wildlife made it their home. But over time, chemicals like TNT can seep into the soil and the local water supply, which appeared to be what happened in Point Pleasant. In the 1980s, officials discovered that the land surrounding the TNT area was contaminated. The explosive materials from the munitions factory had sat for decades, simmering in the humid summer heat. It was so bad that the U.S. government named the area one of the top 10 most polluted sites in the country. Some believe that the highly toxic TNT may have caused mutations in the local animal population. One person who'd grown up in the region reported that frogs the size of dinner plates were now roaming the area. Perhaps it's these same mutations that led to a mysterious half-man, half-bird. After all, one of the earliest Mothman sightings occurred in the TNT area. This suggested it lived there, making it vulnerable to toxic pollution. For many Point Pleasant residents, this explanation checked out. It fit with the area's history and offered a solution to the mystery surrounding the Mothman. Now, a gigantic mutant bird might sound like something out of a horror story, but it wasn't that far-fetched. Following the 1986 Chernobyl disaster in Pripyat, Ukraine, the bird and rodent populations also saw some drastic effects. Birds grew large tumors on their faces, and two biologists discovered bugs in the area that were missing their signature markings. Wildlife in Finland and Russia were also known to mutate after exposure to chemicals from nearby industrial plants. But it's hard to believe that an ordinary bird could transform into the humanoid Mothman. The deformities that came after the Chernobyl disaster were significant, but there were no reports of a man mutating into a bird or vice versa. Nor is there any evidence that two mammals could combine into one species because of toxic waste contamination. The Committee for Skeptical Inquiry investigated the extraordinary claims about Mothman using science and reason. One of their members, Joe Nickel, made it his mission to debunk the science fiction elements altogether. Nickel concluded that Mothman wasn't a mutation or a Hindu god. It was just a simple barn owl. Unlike many other bird species, barn owls scream. Their piercing shriek is nothing like the melodic hoots from other owls. In fact, Shakespeare referred to the creatures in a play saying, quote, Bring forth that fatal screech owl to our house, that nothing sung but death to us and ours. 
This description doesn't seem too far off from Mothman's squeal. Rob Beauregard of Drexel University's Academy of Natural Scientists took this speculation a step further. He suggested that all haunted houses and ghosts could be attributed to barn owls. They tended to nest in drafty, unoccupied buildings, much like the TNT area, and their calls could easily be mistaken for ghostly moaning. But there's a giant problem with this idea. Barn owls tend to be orange and white. The Mothman was described as gray. What's more, barn owls have a relatively low eye shine referring to the feature that gives nocturnal animals those glow-in-the-dark eyes. But nearly everyone who spotted the Mothman said they were mesmerized by its glowing red eyes. Perhaps it wasn't a barn owl after all. Maybe Mothman was a barred owl. These West Virginia natives had a striking scarlet-red eye shine. However, barred owls only grow to be about two feet tall, far shorter than the seven-foot Mothman. It's possible that some witnesses might have seen a barred owl in a tree and overestimated its height, but it's unlikely this happened over a hundred different times, especially since many people saw the Mothman run, fly, and chase after speeding cars. That's true, and the fastest owl in the world, the great horned owl, can still only rocket at 40 miles an hour. Yet on the night of November 15, 1966, the Mothman chased four teenagers out of the TNT area. They sped over 100 miles per hour to escape the creature, and the Mothman kept up. Robert L. Smith, an associate professor of wildlife biology at West Virginia University, posited that the red-eyed Mothman was yet another species, a sandhill crane. These birds are large, and their eyes are surrounded by bright red skin. They could have been mistaken for the Mothman's scarlet peepers. But still, sandhill cranes are only three or four feet tall. Mothman was twice that size. And while they do have large wingspans, ranging about six feet, Mothman's wings were somewhere between 10 and 14 feet long. All of the bird theories from sandhill cranes to owls held some merit, but none of them could completely explain the Mothman's features. Skeptics couldn't really chalk all the sightings up to one local animal after all. Maybe Mothman wasn't indigenous to the region. Maybe it came from a place far from West Virginia. Like, say, another planet. Coming up, John Keel connects the Mothman to local UFO sightings. This is Story Booth Daily. Tune into this new podcast for your daily fix of real life stories from real people around the world. We've received thousands of stories that we want to share with you from talking about being ghosted or realizing that being popular isn't all that great sometimes. No topic is off the table. This is a podcast that's not only for you, but by you. Story Booth Daily premieres November 8th, so be sure to check us out Monday through Friday. Story Booth Daily is a wheelhouse and Spotify original from Parcast. 
Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, back to the story. John Keel was a ufologist who wrote the foundational book on the Mothman. But when he arrived in Point Pleasant in 1966 to search for the infamous beast, he found something unexpected. A series of UFOs. This wasn't Keel's first encounter with aliens. As a teen, he read every book he could get his hands on. He devoured texts on science, history, and the supernatural. In 1954, while visiting Egypt, he allegedly spotted his first alien spaceship. Later, during a trip to the Himalayas, he supposedly witnessed the abominable snowman. As soon as Keel heard about the Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant, he suspected it was supernatural. And when he formally investigated, he seemingly confirmed this hunch. While driving with journalist Mary Heyer through West Virginia in April 1967, she and Keel encountered an unidentified flying object. They didn't spot the Mothman during this trip, but Keel had heard of other UFO sightings that connected the two. Some witnesses even spotted the winged creature lurking near spacecraft. He wondered if the two entities were working together in some fashion. Another clue lay in the prophetic visions that Mothman gave locals like Mary Heyer and Virginia Thomas. Keel noted that alien contactees often developed extrasensory abilities after their encounters. His theories seemed to be confirmed one morning in November 1967. That day, a mysterious stranger knocked on a local woman's door and asked to use her telephone. The visitor didn't introduce himself, but he made an impression on the housewife nonetheless. He wore all black and was over six feet tall. He spoke with an accent the woman couldn't place, but it was clear he wasn't from West Virginia. The resident didn't know what to make of this man, but the description rang a bell for Keel. He and other UFO enthusiasts thought this sounded a lot like the men in black. Nobody knows exactly who the men in black are. Some believe they're government agents. Others say they're aliens living undercover as humans on Earth. According to reports, they often show up after UFO sightings or extraterrestrial encounters. Rumors suggest they even try to silence witnesses with threats. This particular man in black didn't have to do much to keep the housewife quiet. She died in the Silver Bridge collapse less than a month after his visit. But she wasn't the only local who had an encounter with the mysterious agency. Journalist Mary Heyer also spoke to a pair of men in dark suits. One afternoon, shortly following the Silver Bridge disaster, two men marched into Heyer's office. They looked almost identical to one another. Heyer even wondered if they were twin brothers. For days, the Silver Bridge tragedy had been the talk of the town, and Heyer thought they wanted to discuss it with her. Instead, they asked her about the flying saucer activity in the area. Heyer was taken aback, but she tried to assist the men, showing the notes she'd written for the paper. One of the visitors hinted that she should kill the story, but Heyer wouldn't be intimidated. She responded curtly 
and the strange pair laughed. These weren't the only two men in black sightings in Point Pleasant. Throughout the duration of Mothman's stay, there were multiple people harassed by the shadowy visitors. Mary Heyer's niece, a woman named Connie Carpenter, also had a run-in after her encounter with the Mothman. She was walking to school one day when a man in a black Buick pulled up beside her and tried to pull her into his car. Luckily, Connie got away and hid inside her house. The next day, someone slid a note under the front door saying, Be careful, girl. I can get you yet. Another Mothman witness named Marcella Bennett claimed she was harassed by the men in black, too. She was driving on the outskirts of Point Pleasant when a man in a wig chased her in a Ford Galaxy. He nearly ran her off the road, and she had her young daughter in the car. While these stories do fit in well with the lore of the men in black, it doesn't prove that the Mothman is alien by nature, and any further connection between the creature and flying saucers was loose speculation on Keel's part. He observed that there were several UFO sightings around the same time that people started seeing the Mothman, but correlation does not equal causation. It's no surprise that he would jump to this conclusion. Remember, this was the 1960s. The space age was in full swing, and the supernatural was mainstream. The general public was primed to interpret any strange lights in the sky as possible alien invaders or to see strangers in suits as possible government agents. Mothman skeptic Joe Nickel thought that the people of Point Pleasant were misinterpreting ordinary events. He suggested that the flying saucer Keel and Hire had spotted was probably an average airplane. During night flights, pilots use the navigational lights so other aircraft and ground crews can track their routes. But according to Nickel, there was a prankster pilot who lived in the area. He liked to fly over Point Pleasant in his private plane and scare the locals. Nichols says one evening in the spring of 1967, the anonymous pilot flew dangerously close to a hilltop. Keel and Heyer spotted that identified flying object near a hilltop around the same time, in April 1967. They also saw the craft's lights blink on and off. Maybe they only saw what they wanted to see. After all, Keel had been hunting for UFOs most of his adult life, and he'd expected to spot another one that night. So when he observed the prankster in his plane, maybe Keel jumped to a conclusion that this was a spaceship. But that wouldn't explain the wave of prophetic dreams that swept through Point Pleasant. As we noted last time, several residents, including Virginia Thomas and Mary Heyer, had nightmares after their Mothman sightings. These were visions of people drowning and presence floating in an indistinct body of water. Later, the dream seemingly came true when the Silver Bridge collapsed just before Christmas on December 15, 1967. The structure was made of long strips of metal with a hole at the end. Each hole was used to lock the strips together and connected the metallic pieces to one another. On the day of the collapse, there was a small crack, roughly three millimeters deep, along one joint. Supposedly, it had been there since the bridge's construction. But that evening, the light that directs traffic on and off the Silver Bridge was malfunctioning. There were more cars crossing the structure than it was prepared to hold. The wear became too much, and the piece broke apart. 
In less than a minute, the entire silver bridge, along with dozens of other cars, had toppled into the freezing river below. Ultimately, a federal task force ruled out the idea of anything supernatural causing the tragedy. As far as they were concerned, Mothman hadn't caused the bridge collapse. It was the result of an ordinary design flaw. But that doesn't explain why so many people predicted the disaster, or why people across the world spotted the beast just before other deadly events. Perhaps Mothman was a spirit that warned people of coming doom. Or maybe the prophecies were little more than movie magic. Coming up, a feature film reshapes the Mothman's legacy. Now back to the story. In the mid-60s, a monster called the Mothman appeared repeatedly in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. After the local Silver Bridge collapsed on December 15, 1967, the creature vanished for nearly two decades. As we mentioned in our last episode, workers in the nuclear power plant allegedly saw a beast they dubbed the Black Bird of Chernobyl. This was in the days leading up to the deadliest nuclear accident in history. It's hard to find any concrete reports of the creature around the time of the nuclear meltdown in 1986. In fact, the first time anyone alluded to it was five years later in 1991, when John Keel republished his book, the Mothman Prophecies. To be fair, Keel never explicitly said that the Mothman appeared near Chernobyl. He might have wanted his audience to read between the lines and connect the creature with a nuclear meltdown. But even then, he was the only one making these implications. That is, until 2005, 19 years after the disaster. That's when the first explicit claims about the Blackbird of Chernobyl were made public. Keep in mind, this was also three years after the Mothman prophecies hit theaters. The movie took some creative liberties with Keel's narrative. For example, the film took place in the same year it was released, in 2002, as opposed to the mid-1960s. It also featured a character who blatantly claimed the Mothman appeared before the Chernobyl disaster. In a later interview, Keel admitted this was a complete fabrication. The filmmakers didn't have any evidence that Mothman was there before the meltdown, and neither did Keel, but it made for a great story beat. But the public didn't seem to care, because after the interview, news of the Black Bird of Chernobyl spread like wildfire. Rumors of the alleged Ukrainian sightings made their way online. Newspapers reported the narrative as true. Suddenly, everyone had something to add to the lore. It's possible that accounts of Mothman's appearance on 9-11 and on the eve of the swine flu outbreak were similarly fabricated. The Mothman likely never visited Chernobyl or any of these other disaster sites for that matter. Despite over 100 sightings in Point Pleasant between 1966 and 1967, some people believe the creature never existed at all. People like Joe Nickel, the same investigator who implied Keel's UFO sighting was a prankster pilot collected additional evidence to debunk the sightings. While interviewing local residents, Nickel learned of another hoaxer, one who dressed in a spooky Halloween costume during the 1960s. He hid in the TNT area and jumped out of the woods whenever a car drove by, just to startle people. 
Maybe this practical joker was the Mothman. But as Nickel looked into it further, he heard conflicting reports of who exactly executed the hoax. He lost sight of which accounts were credible. Additionally, a costumed person wouldn't have Mothman's glowing red eyes or its ability to fly 100 miles per hour. But Nickel had a break in the case when he spoke to Rush Finley, a local hotel owner. According to Finley, some construction workers had tied red lights to weighted helium balloons as a prank. When the balloons were released, they floated over the hills of Point Pleasant. People may have mistaken those lights for the Mothman's luminescent red eyes. But some Mothman eyewitnesses described a seven-foot flying man with a ten-foot wingspan. The creature didn't resemble helium balloons at all. Which brings up another point. The descriptions were so consistent, some believed the encounters were symptoms of mass delusion. Mass delusion occurs when a group of people share the same attitudes, ideas, and emotional states. We're not talking about an audience getting scared by a scene in a horror film. Think of it like a group of people who are paranoid about a threat that probably doesn't exist. The fear grows, feeding off of others' neuroses, until it impacts their day-to-day life. In some cases, mass delusion can result in physical symptoms like nervous tics, even seizures. Remember, the first news coverage about the Mothman happened after four reputable teenagers spotted the beast near the TNT area. Shortly thereafter, other locals reported their sightings. Many people even flocked to the TNT area to catch a glimpse for themselves. If people were primed to spot strange monsters, they might mistake everyday objects for the Mothman, especially in a case of mass delusion. Maybe some of those sightings can be attributed to large owls, cranes, helium balloons, or airplanes. Naturally, the reports would have triggered feelings of anxiety in some people. This unease might have manifested in the form of nightmares, And if someone was already primed to think that a supernatural entity was plaguing their town, they may have also believed their dreams were prophetic visions. Which is actually more common than you'd think. A 2011 study suggested that one in three people believe they received visions of the future, often in their dreams. The numbers were even higher among those who believed in supernatural and psychic phenomena. Perhaps this is what caused Mary Heyer to have nightmares about the Mothman. Heyer spent a lot of her career writing about strange incidents throughout West Virginia. She penned narratives about UFOs and visits from the men in black. She was exactly the kind of person who might ascribe supernatural meaning to her dreams. Or perhaps she and Virginia Thomas actually did share a prophetic vision. After all, their dreams did come true when the Silver Bridge collapsed. Alternatively, this could be an example of confirmation bias. Heyer and Thomas may have believed their dreams were premonitions before the bridge went down. If so, they might have focused on the evidence that supported those assumptions while ignoring anything that contradicted them. After all, I'm sure they dreamed of other details that didn't come to pass. It's possible they never discussed the incongruous elements because they chose to focus on the parts that did line up. And there must have been plenty of other Point Pleasant residents who had nightmares that felt prophetic but never came to fruition. 
It's tempting to attribute deadly disasters to the supernatural. The world feels more orderly if we believe in monstrous harbingers of doom and prophetic dreams that can prevent it. It's no wonder the town of Point Pleasant embraced the legend of the Mothman, even throwing an annual festival in its honor. Today, the once terrifying beast is a tourist attraction and a movie star. Decades have passed since the bridge collapse, and in that time, the locals have channeled their anxiety into a cause for celebration. New life has sprung out of this death and destruction. If the Mothman was real, maybe it never intended to be a specter of looming disaster. Instead, maybe it was there to save the people of Point Pleasant from tragedy. Maybe it was the embodiment of hope. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. For more information on the Mothman, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel and The Mystery Chronicles, More Real-Life X-Files by Joe Nickel to be extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Nick Johnson with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Brian Stempnitsky with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Lori Gottlieb. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. This is Story Booth Daily. Tune into this new podcast for your daily fix of real-life stories from people around the world. Story Booth Daily premieres Monday, November 8th on Spotify. Story Booth Daily is a wheelhouse and Spotify original from ParCast.